Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi there, I'm Jake Humphrey and this is the Premier League Tonight podcast. BT Sports weekly football debate show is now a podcast. Something to be excited about. And you'll find us on iTunes, Acast and all other podcast providers every Saturday night. So the Premier League is back. Joining me this week for all the reaction from Saturday's games were Rio Ferdinand, Michael Owen and Glenn Hoddle. Now remember, if you want to get involved in the show as one of our regular fan reporters, all you have to do is email the team here, btsportfanpundit at gmail.com. Right, here are the best bits from what was a really enjoyable show. Enjoy. Five-star City, Manchester City. As we know, they were playing a team who played with ten men for a long time, but they still scored five. Looked great today and were top of the league until this result for Manchester United. Hundred up, Harry. Harry Kane and Glenn, I know, would love to talk about this. Harry Kane with his 100th and 101st goals for Spurs. What a player, and he scored them in not that many games either. And finally, Seagulls take flight. The importance of getting that first win of the season is so huge for a promoted side. Congratulations to all of the Brighton fans because you've got your first one right. It's now time to talk Liverpool-Manchester City. We're going to start by hearing from Gareth, who's a Liverpool fan, Paul, who's a City fan. This is their day today. Going to get the breakfast done, head into Manchester, and then we'll uh, see what the team news is. There will definitely be goals, probably at either end. So I'm really looking forward to it and about to make the trip now. Heart says 3-1, head says 1-1, so intriguing that afternoon in store. Coutinho's a special talent. Was it, could it, be, it could have been worth for me throwing him on the bench and giving him 20 minutes here today. So let's hope we don't end up regretting that one. Half time, 2-0 down, 10 men, long way back for the Reds. Can't see us getting back into this one. Um, don't know what happened on Marnie's red card, really. We've we, we only seen it in real time. We haven't seen any replays. Looked a harsh decision to me. Maybe wrong by the replays, but, you know, long way back for Liverpool now. 5-0, really pleased with that the start of the season. Never would have expected that before the game. Brilliant performance from City in the second half. The game changed with the sending off. Um, but City, I think, overall deserves to win. It's just not our day. It all hinges on that red card decision. After that, pretty much game over. But some of the defending today was terrible. Not our day. Not our day. It's amazing, isn't it? Two of the biggest teams go toe-to-toe. A 5-0 win for City and all we talk about is a sending off. And we'll discuss it in just a couple of moments also with Graham Pohl. But first, these are Jurgen Klopp's post-match thoughts on that red card for Sadio Mane. He was shocked about the situation and um, I'm sure also about 
the, the, the decision because he didn't think if you could if the if the leg is not where the leg is you can also say it's a it's a, it's a foul from the goalie <laughs> so <laughs> what can I say at the end it's a red card and I'm sure enough people will find enough reasons to say it was the right decision so I can we cannot change it anymore that's how it is but of course it was had big influence on the game today yeah. well as you heard there from Jurgen Klopp Sadio Mane was shocked straight afterwards and actually he shared this on social media um, I hope and wish Edison a quick recovery I'm so sorry he was hurt during our accidental collision on the pitch I'm sorry for him that he could not complete the match because of it I pray he heals fast and is back playing very soon um, and then this was shared by Edison actually and at the time he was treated on the pitch for seven minutes it really did look horrible uh, lots of question marks over how serious the injury was thankfully we believe no broken bones there he is almost with a smile on his face um, and uh, there's a Benjamin Mendy tweet with the picture saying, <laughs> half crazy is here, everything good. I suppose half crazy, because I think to be a goalkeeper, you have to be, don't you? To put your head in the situation like they're, that. They're a different breed. Um, but but I, I believe it's a red card. I think 10 years ago, it's probably debatable. And people would say maybe you get a yellow card. But in, the, in today's day and age, with the rules the way they are, it's dangerous play. And it's simple as that. And up to that point, Liverpool were probably the better team. They were mm. the more dangerous team. And it just that game changed on that decision. OK, well, let's get clarification straight away then from Graham, who's been part of the team all day and has manfully hung around for quite a long time to join us for the show. So I thought it'd be funny, Graham, not to go to you at all, just, but that would just be pure cruel. Um, right, it's just a red, you said to me earlier, and you used the phrase 100% a red. There's no doubt in your mind. No, there isn't, Jake. Um, and, and from a referee's point of view, you see things very black and white in that situation. Um, you see how high Mane's foot is. You know he's caught the keeper in the face, so therefore it's a very, very straightforward decision for a referee. Um, I think Rio referred to maybe 10, maybe 15 years ago, it wouldn't have been because there used to be a thing where things had to be intentional. Uh, now that's been taken away, you've made your intent by making the challenge and putting your foot that high, and therefore you have to live with the consequences. Um, Chris Williams um, shared a social media post saying, never a red card, he has to challenge for the ball. Mane's eyes are fixed on the ball and Edison dips his head in it. And there's lots of people saying it can't possibly be a red card because Sadio Mane had no intent to hurt the player. Just to explain what, what the rules tell us about that. Well, as I say, apart from handball, which has to be intentional, every other offence, the, the, the letters of intent has been taken out. So it's actually what you do, it's the offence you do as opposed to what you mean to do. We know that uh, Mane didn't mean... I don't believe, meant to hurt or catch um, Edison, but it's what he does. He goes in at pace. Mm. There is intensity in the challenge. You can see from the amount it's, uh, it's caught the keeper by. Uh, the point of contact on the body, how high it is, it, it's ticking all the boxes. It, it has endangered the safety of the keeper without question, and therefore that, that's why, as I say, it's a 100% red card. There's another, there's another comment here on, on social media saying um, from Lee, Lee96Fuller, um, if he got a toe to it and it went over the keeper, would that have been fine? Does it make any difference at all that Manny didn't win the ball? Imagine if he got the ball and still took the keeper. It, it, hypothetical situations are always hard to judge on because you need to look at what's happened. Mm. If, if he's got the, a toe on the ball and he's probably a yard or so away from the keeper, then you'd say... Some referees would say, well, it's still dangerous, but it's no contact, so I'd still give a free kick. Some would say, no, he's got the ball clean, and then you've got the keeper, of course, crashing into Mane himself, and then you'll go, and it's a goal-scoring opportunity denied. So I mean, it, they're hypothetical things that are very yeah. hard to comment on. Yeah, it's very difficult, isn't it? But if he does win the ball, he's gone to win the ball. His eyes are fixed on the ball, so it's an accident. But if he wins the ball and the, and the goalkeeper clears him out, the 
keeper's sent off and it's a free kick to Liverpool. That's how, that's how close it was, yeah. but he didn't. He didn't win the ball. You put your foot up that high, you've got to win the ball. And even then he might say it's dangerous play, the referee still, even if he wins the ball and taps it over the goalkeeper's head. But uh, for me, it's a red card all day long. Yeah, it's an unfortunate one because I think we all agree that he's, he's never meant to hurt the goalkeeper in any way, shape or form. He's gone for the ball, the ball's there, he's, he's trying his best for his team to score a goal. However, the, the consequences are he's badly injured the, the goalkeeper and his foot's in his face and it, it is dangerous play and that's what the law says. And what about, and this is one for you as well, Graham, for all of you really, what about the comments, and there were loads of them on social media, saying the game's gone. You know, he didn't mean to hurt him, therefore you have to ignore the fact that the, the keeper got injured and respect the fact that Manny was playing the ball. Otherwise you're going to have sendings off all over the field. I mean, it's a hard one, that, isn't it, with yeah, the injury to the keeper? If, the, if his foot was going into his, his leg... Or something like that. You'd, you scan into his head. It's like a karate kick. Look how high up he is. Look how high his foot is. Mm. It is dangerous. No matter how you look at it, no matter if there's intent or not, that is dangerous. I've been guilty of that in my career, and I've given away free kicks like that. But you can't really argue when you see it like that. It's, it's difficult to, to it's really not defend like the yourself. Goalkeeper's ducking down low, yeah. low down. It's 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 high, mm. and you've got to get it right. And in that split second, the referee doesn't get all the replays. Mm. He's got to make that decision and. Uh, I think he's made the right one. Mm. All right. Graham, thank you very much for sticking around for that. We really appreciate it. You're a trooper. <laughs> Pleasure. Cheers, Good man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, one very small point. Rio started by saying if it was 10 years ago, it might have been allowed. In your day when you were playing, would that have been a red card, do you think? Would you have... Would... 30 years ago. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. Um, the keeper would have been told to get up and carry on. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was, it was different in them days. But I still think... I don't know, if, abroad, when you played in, abroad, that would always be a foul, yeah. in any era. Mm. But in England, we were allowed to put your foot up a little bit higher in, in, in yeah. the era that I played in. Possibly, I don't, even though the, the, the foot has gone into the goalkeeper's head high, yeah. it's not low, I still think that might have been uh, definitely a yellow card, maybe a red. I would ask you how you would have felt in that situation being Manny, but I'm not sure the hamstrings would have allowed it, would they? <laughs> I'd have been on a stretcher. <laughs> you would have injured yourself getting up there. Yeah. Let's not talk about hamstrings. I can't believe you're directing that question at him. I know I can't ask you, you about hamstrings. Football, does he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good question. All right, right well, let's move on then, talk about the margin of victory. It was a big margin of victory for City. So is that, is that a reflection of the true difference between these two sides? No. It's hard to call it with a red, no. isn't it? And... and your first question, Jake, was, you know, 5-0 to City, but we're talking about a red card. Well, that's because it had that effect on the game and no way it would have been a 5-0 game had Liverpool had 11 yeah. men. Yes, Manchester City, better team on the day. They've got an amazing, amazingly talented manager and set of players, but, you know, Liverpool would never have lost 5-0 with 11 men. Some teams wouldn't have taken the advantage that City did with, with the 11 against 10, but if there's any team you want to... Mm. You know, not go down to ten men against it's City with the with the prowess and the way they get their full-backs forward, the spare players that they find on the pitch. It was going to be a hard day for Liverpool. I think Klopp said at, about his half-time speech. You know, in the dressing room was, "Hey guys, you know, it's an, in his eyes it was an unjust sending off, but we were a match if not better for them, yeah. eleven v eleven, and um, obviously it went south a little bit second half for them, but." Um, You've got to say, good finishing from City as well. Mm. John Roberts actually sent a message here saying Liverpool didn't improve enough in the transfer window, still needed a better centre-half, still need mm. a better keeper. How big are your question marks about Liverpool at the moment? I said last season, defensively, I wasn't sure about them. They conceded too many ch uh, chances. 
Um, I, I think the same this season. They seemed like they went hard to get Van Dijk. Didn't happen. And I think that's going to be probably their Achilles heel again this season. Charlie, thanks for coming and joining us. No problem. Glenn Hoddle subbed for Charlie Adam. Is that a phrase you thought you'd hear? No, not very often. <laughs> I think the people at home would rather keep Glenn here. Oh, we're happy to be here. Well, Glenn will be back in a minute. If you're a Glenn Hoddle fan, don't panic. Uh, lots of three-word match reports coming in. Kung Fu Mane um, was what Martin Angel said. Heading machine Maratta, says Ricky, who's a Chelsea fan. August is over, says Jake Murray, um, who I'm, I know is... Uh, a Spurs fans, obviously uh, Harry Kane scoring is what that's about. Uh, where's the rum, says Kevin, who's a Liverpool fan and played like boys, said uh, Ifan Wynne Roberts, an Everton fan. How would you uh, sum up Stoke's draw today with United in three words? A dis disciplined performance, I think. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a, that was like a Martin Keown-esque two words in a three-word match report. Ah, discipline. Ah, discipline. Come on, Jake. I'll, uh, I'll allow that, just about. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Man United are leaving, actually. We can see uh, live pictures of Jose and the guys making their, making their way onto the coach. But Mark Hughes spoke in the week about he spotted things in United this season to exploit, and he spoke to us afterwards about it. What, what did he say to you guys ahead of kick-off in the dressing room? What were the areas he wanted to really look at? We felt that we could, we could punish United at the sides of Pogba and Matic because, listen, Pogba's a world-class player, but, you know, he gets attracted to the ball and you can get to the opposite side of him. And I think at times we, we tried that today, but, you know, listen, United are a top side and we had to work hard for that um, and discipline from behind. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that, Charlie, because that's exactly <laughs> what we highlighted before. We thought that's what he'll be thinking. We showed a few clips of yeah. Pogba just drifting yeah. off and leaving. So we felt that, you know, like, obviously he's a top player, but... He gets attracted to the ball and we felt as if we can get to the side of him um, and, and Matic would be isolated on his own. Um, and at times we, we, we caused them problems, but, you know, listen, we had to respect them in the way that we did and, um, you know, they caused a little bit of problem, but we deserved the draw in the end, I think. Oh, good. You should go into management. This is exactly oh, what it's you a big said. relief. Nice. Nice. <laughs> when, you, when you get asked by the producer where the weaknesses and we mention them and he comes in here and just, just really clarifies what we were talking about, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Come up again. Relief. Come up again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where, where do you see Stoke at the moment? Because early in the transfer window, there were, there were rumblings and questions. I know that our own Robbie Savage wrote an article in a national paper saying if Stoke aren't spending the money and Mark Hughes gets the sack at some point this season, then it's unfair and not right. Um, and it, it, you haven't spent loads, but look who starred today. Dan Fletcher, brilliant in the middle. Super moting with a couple of goals. Both cost you nothing. Expensive. Free transfers. Yeah. You know, it's the same. You know, Kurt Zuma will probably has probably come in. Big wages from Chelsea. Um, I'm trying to think. Fletch, obviously, a free transfer will, will be good wages. Chupin Motang, Hesse from PSG. So it doesn't look like we've spent the money, as in the, the, the signing um, for the players, but we have probably in the wages and agents' fees, and, and that's just the way the game is. Mm. But, um, you know, we have to be clever because we can't compete with the top ones. Um, you know, you look at Everton spending 150, 160 million. We can't compete with that. Um, but... You know, if we do and we, we know that anybody here, we can beat them on our day. Yeah. What, what, what does someone like Darren Fletcher bring you at this club? Because obviously he's been around for a while. Missed a lot of years when he was a kid. With a, um, he broke his foot. Obviously he had uh, problems the last couple of years. Um, previous. How, what does he bring into this team? Because he put a, a, a great performance, maturity. Yeah, well, he knows Man United. He knows what that club's are about winning trophies. And, and Michael will tell you that, you know, we had people like Glenn Whelan, who's been here for years, uh, John Walters. You know, they've been here for years, so we had to replace them. And somebody like Fletch on a free transfer, the experience he's got, winning leagues, cups, and you've seen it today at times where 
maybe we would have tried to force it. He kept it, went, come back out and went the other side and just mm. kept the ball. And sometimes you need that experience in your team. And, you know, him enjoying the moment of being, being excellent so far this season and finding it difficult getting the team. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. There's lots of questions coming in for Charlie, by the way. Keep them coming. Use the hashtag PL tonight. We'll ask a few um, in a couple of minutes. It's hard for you because we've done two games here. A win against Arsenal, a draw against Manchester United. You weren't involved at all against the Arsenal. You didn't come off the bench today. So it, we're talking about positive Stoke stuff, but I guess you're, you're, you're a frustrated footballer at the moment. Yeah, but uh, it's a squad. It's a, you know, yeah. You've got to, to be there. There won't be an opportunity in the season. Um, we play a number of games and... Hopefully, you know, in the in the the check in the, the league cup, I got an opportunity against Rochdale, and we won here four 0 So, mm. you know, Alistair, it's very diplomatic, but yeah, it's hard yeah, to see to... Man United here and not be involved. Isn't of course, it? you are you're disappointed as a footballer, but you want to play for the game, and it's not possible in this day and age. It's not possible to play for the game, so you have to wait your time. And it and it says sounds bad, but maybe you have to wait for an injury or a suspension and and take your opportunity when it comes. I think that's the difference. If you'd have asked Charlie Adams when he was. 23 years old, that same question, it had been climbing the wall to get out of the club. But as a mature, experienced... He signs a new contract but also, instead. But I think it comes with speaking to the manager. I've had a chat with the manager and I know my place where, you know, he sees me as one that can help the kids coming through, um, you know, off the pitch. And, you know, I'll have to wait my, my chance. What did you say, if you don't mind sharing that? Share what part of it you want to share. I'll, I'll share it all. I respect that decision. Um... Listen, I love it at this club. I love playing here. Um, but sometimes you you just got to take, you know, that responsibility. He believes in me and he trusts me um, to be at this club. OK, it's no great not playing, but I'll have to wait an opportunity. When I get that opportunity, I need to need to perform. OK. Um, you've already impressed Zygmunt. He says, Charlie Adam giving decent tactical analysis on PL tonight. Well, listen, we'll have to get you on the show sometime. <laughs> do, a, do, a, do a game with us. Uh, but we've got a question coming for you as well, actually. So having played under both Tony Pulis and Mark Hughes, I'm quite keen to know what was the biggest difference in managerial style between the two managers? Good question. Um, listen, Tony Pulis has had an, uh, a wonderful career in the Premier League. You know the way he's going to play. Yeah. You know, he, he, he doesn't, you know, he's not worried about getting it from back to front. Um, and the manager has made a big transition from when, when the, manager, the, the old manager was here. We want to play from the back if we can, but if not, we want to go. We'll go back to front if we have to. It's playing in the right areas, um, but listen, there's a bit, there is a big difference in, in how how this club's changed over the years, and and we look to evolve and, and try and compete with the best. Okay. Do you think? Sorry, do you think with those type of players, we I mean, we look at three Champions League winners in the in the squad um, at the moment? Do you think that? I mean, under Tony Pulis, a lot of people will say if you go that direct, it's very hard. You get to a certain level, and you just can't. Keep going, you can't Made you retire, didn't he? <laughs> Except me to retire. But then when you've got players like you've got now, a type of passing game, can you see progress? Can you see a top ten finish on, on a regular basis? I mean, you've had it three out of the last... We have to. We have to. That's the, that's the aim. Last year was a major disappointment. We never achieved what we, we set out to do. Listen, there's three leagues in the Premier League. The top six or seven, competing for four places. And then we feel that we're in that bracket with Southampton, Everton... Um, West Ham, who spent a lot of money, so we feel that we are one of the, that group of three in that in that division. So you know, we want to try and finish as high as we can this year and um, performances like that today and against Arsenal. Then we should be okay. Right. So you you see a top six, but then you see yourself in the top half, just just yes. below them. Yeah, fighting for a place just below them. Europe? Have you spoken about Europe? Europa League, something like that? Not at the moment. Listen, before games in, um, but I said before, there's seven slash eight teams fighting for Champions League. 
and the only four can make it. So there's four or five that have to, to miss out and they'll probably be in the Europa League position. OK, OK. A couple of other comments. Tom Pearson, Charlie Adam is brilliant on Premier League tonight. Balanced, smart insight. Is he like a friend or a neighbour or something? Mm -hmm. That's probably my cousin. <laughs> yeah. No one mentioned in his tracksuit on there, no? Oh, do you like it? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Good job it's not his own gear. Yeah, hey, it's even worse. <laughs> Your free Macron tracksuit top's just gone out the window. Um, Joppa United, do you think Charlie would be a successful manager? I like the way he presents his ideas. Oh, actually, no, one's just come in. Why is Charlie dressed like a 1970s PE teacher? There you go. Um, management, fancy it? I'm doing my coaching badge at the moment. Uh, I'm doing the air licence in Scotland, so it's something I look, I'm interested in, but you know, hopefully I've got a few years left to play in and, and we'll see what it takes us. Well, let's talk then about the, the rest of the Premier League um, and... Uh, I do want to talk just very briefly about Brighton with you. You know what it's like to be a newly promoted team in the Premier League. You were there with Blackpool. You won your very first game playing for Blackpool. Brighton have had to wait a little bit. How important is it to get that first win for them today? It is. We beat Wigan 4-0 and then we went to Arsenal and got battered 6. So it's the, it's the Premier League and that's the way it goes. The difference is that you know, Brighton have spent over £40 million this yeah. summer. We never... I think we spent £5-6 million at Blackpool. So there is a big comparison. The league's even tougher. And um, it'll all be about survival for writing. Um, but Chrissy Hutton's done a good job wherever he's gone, and I, I think they, they're good enough to stay up this year. OK, well, it's obviously a big day for Brighton. So let's hear not just from a Brighton fan, but also their manager, Chris Hutton. Here are his brief thoughts. We're four games into, into the season, and you, know, you want to get that first win. And if you don't, if you don't then you know, I think I've got a group of lads here that are realistic enough to know that it's, it's going to be a tough season. Um, but certainly there's a, there's a really good feeling at the moment having got that win under our belts. That was absolutely brilliant. So good when we scored that third goal because I think that's when I realised that we're actually going to do it. We're going to win our first Premier League game. Absolutely amazing. was expecting it to be a lot harder as well against West Brom, but um, we completely dominated. And that second goal from Pascal Gross was amazing. So great to see. And I uh, won't be forgetting that in a while. I bet some signing Pascal Gross has been... You, you won your first game at Blackpool. Yeah. You ended up getting relegated that season. What is the key? What do you need in the squad to survive in the Premier League? Good, honest characters. You know, people that won't shy away from, from honesty because you're going to get some, some batterings over the season and you have to pick yourself up and, and go again. Um, and, and I think that's what good, good team spirit will, will keep you in the league. OK, uh, we'll finish talking about Stoke. You've got some big fixtures coming up. You made the point, didn't you, to Mark Hughes? Chelsea at home next. The way it's going, you're going to win that one as well. Oh, we try and make it a fortress here. We try and make it difficult for teams. And, um, you know, over the, the la I think that's just four years undefeated against Man United um, here. So um, we've had some good results over the past, past few years since the manager's come in. And, and hopefully we can continue that. Good man. Look, thanks for joining us. A couple of final questions. Sam Turner's tweeted us saying, where will Stoke finish in the league this season, Charlie? Ninth. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Joe Thompson, Charlie is speaking sense and has been classed at Stoke, still has a lot to offer us. At which point Callum Ross has messaged us, Charlie Adam is just a hero. He's winner against Man United back in 2013. You should have shown that to Mark Hughes this week and said, look, Gaffer, this is what I'll do for you. He picks a team you, you, you get on with. Um, but, listen, he'll, he'll have seen it a few times. <laughs> good man. Appreciate you coming up. Thank you very much. Uh, and we've been impressed, haven't we, by Stoke? Yep, very good, very good.
three-word match reports coming in. Uh, Michael Phillips says still above Palace. He's a Brighton fan. That, uh, that is going to run and run as it has done for a few years. Uh, Pep domination begins, says Callum. Um, Degsy says only three words, question mark. Uh, he's an angry Everton fan. Solid, controlled, dominant, says Samuel Evans, who's a Tottenham fan. So let's talk Tottenham then. Here's Jake, who's a Spurs fan. Perfect away game today, 1-3 nil with Everton, who are a good club, but we destroyed them all over the pitch. Harry Kane finally got his 100th goal for the club, and he's our star man at the moment. Hopefully he can take us to the next level in the Champions League, finally winning a trophy and just pushing on for that title. This season, hopefully, will be the season with the additions of Sanchez and Aurier, even squad depth like Foyth and Gazaniga is looking up for the club right now. You could argue the international break was good for Harry Kane, can't you? Go away, goals, confidence, and strikers live on confidence. September came round as well. Exactly, that <laughs> was the key. score in August, could he? But no, the, the first goal today was a f pure fluke from him, and he had a big smile over his face when he scored it. The second, when, when you see it, guys, at home, it's, a, it's a top, top quality finish. It's something that Michael would have done. It's that you know, it's that good, wasn't it, Michael? It's one of those that, that people look at and think, oh, it's, a, it's just a, a normal goal, isn't yeah. it? It's a good... Try doing it. It's a, it was Lukaku, Lukaku wasn't tried it? it yeah. He missed it over the bar. Because uh, you said, was, uh, you said when Lukaku missed that to all, Harry Kane scores that straight away. That's what you said, didn't you? Yeah. Well, no, we were, no, he didn't. He said Harry Kane scored. Scored a goal scored, like that. Scored, yeah. right. <laughs> but, but we, he does well because he, he yeah. same thing, isn't it? Harry Kane scores those. He does. Yeah, and we were debating before when we were looking at the video of Rashford and Lukaku and we, we, they were talking about who's the best finisher and whatever. Lukaku's a decent finisher, but there's, I'd still say, even though he might end up with a golden boot, there's, there's better finishers in the Premier League than Lukaku, and I think Kane is one of them. Did you ever have a time in your career where going away and playing international football was kind of a, a good thing? It sort of rejuvenates you a bit, change of scene, just to switch things up? Because as you said today when you turned up, Harry Kane's had a month off, and it kind of felt like that, didn't it? Yeah, I think for a goal scorer, it's different. If he's having a bad time like Harry Kane was, that hadn't scored in all of August, to go away and play for a national team, the new surroundings, new players, maybe get a goal, nick a goal on your, on your travels and come back and it can instil some confidence and just freshens you up. Um, because there's no doubt that he would have been feeling a bit of pressure in, yeah. during them, them, that last month. The same thing happened a few seasons ago against San Marino, I think. He came on a sub in one game and then he played in San Marino. And again, it went into September and he got off the mark with England against an easy team, came back and scored for, started scoring for Tottenham. So it's, it's all in the head. It is For strikers, that confidence about you've, you've hit the back of the net, there's no better feeling yeah. for anyone to hit the back of the net. But strikers particularly... They thrive off that. The confidence comes and, they, you know, whatever they're trying to do, they've got conviction in what they're doing and that's the difference. Why are you grinning? I'm grinning because I mean, <laughs> go through a, a barren spell and then you go international and you play San Marino. I was really, you're yeah. so lucky. Exactly. Let's go a few and get What counted as a barren spell for you? At what point did you start thinking, oh, this, this is a worry? Two games? No, maybe more. <laughs> Three or four and then right. you start thinking. But it, listen, it's all relative. If Ronaldo or Messi don't score for one game, it's a barren spell, isn't <laughs> it? So, I mean, we're all different, I suppose. Mm. OK, uh, Gareth says, uh, great Tottenham win today. Harry Kane gets 101 in 159 games. The best English striker since Shearer. Potcher magician. Um, he's 12, 12 games quicker to 100 goals than Thierry Henry, you know. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Henry, when he first came out <laughs> to the country, he, was, he, he had a slow start, start yeah. didn't he? He played out wide and... Yeah. And he'll score, he'll score more, more goals in a sense with his headers. You put ball in there, he's a header of the ball. You know, that wasn't... Terry uh, Henry's 
strength, was it? Let's be fair. So you get the ball in there, and uh, and I think Kane will, will, if he can get him on the pitch with Lorente, he'll become like the second striker as well. He can play that role, and he'll get in the box in a different way. He scores all types of goals. Mm. We're not the only ones having fun with you about the whole Shearer thing. Luke says Harry Kane is 100% overtaking Shearer's record. I'd love to hear what Michael thinks about having a record like that. Well, when you said we were talking about someone, we were just debating whether he can beat him. I think he can, but I think he's got to score an average of about 20-odd goals for another, you know, decade or something, whatever it is. But I think it is possible. It is possible. You need luck. You need to be steer clear of injuries. Yeah. And, and, and you need to be in a team that are putting the chances on a plate for you. And it's the way it works, isn't it? We constantly compare players playing today with players who played in the past and the records they set, not least a certain Michael Owen, which leads us nicely onto Liverpool and Ben Woodburn. Uh, let's hear from Chris. He's a big fan of Ben Woodburn. He's a Liverpool fan as well. Our secret is out. Ben Woodburn, the Prince of Wales, has burst onto the international scene and scored his first goal. We first saw Ben in pre-season at the beginning of last season and we could tell at the time he was a really exciting player. We even looked a little bit poorer when he came out of the side. He then went into the League Cup and became our youngest ever competitive scorer. Klopp says he can play central midfield, wide and he scores goals so he definitely can play through the middle. Who knows how far his talent will stretch but to do that he needs to be developed in the right way because there's nothing more exciting than seeing a young player come through. Michael. How do you think he's best to handle his development? I thought I was out of a job, though, till I realised he was reading that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think? How do you best handle that development? He's a good player. Um, I've watched him for four or five years in the junior youth teams at, at Liverpool. I think he's... I don't think he's a centre-forward. He did play in the youth team as centre-forward, but I don't think he's a centre-forward. It was probably because Liverpool didn't have a, a top centre-forward at the time. I think he's more of an... A, like a Lalana-y type of attack in midfielder, finds pockets, um, very clever, got a little burst of speed, can score a goal. He's intelligent, you know. He's he's a, he's he's. Do you know? I see some players and they come on and they score a goal, and everyone says, "Oh, you know, brilliant!" I can't. But I've, you know, you watch them and you know they're only okay. This kid can play. He is exciting for the future. And how do you deal with the sort of with the comparisons? Does it bother you? Do you like it? I know it frustrates the hell out of Rio, doesn't it, Rio? Yeah. You can't compare these young boys nowadays to what Michael Owen was doing. We mentioned it in the, before in the game. The same age as, as uh, Rashford. He'd won two golden boots in the Premier League, scored 50 goals. Rashford's got 20. They're great young players, these boys, but people seem to forget, and it's half disrespectful in my eyes when you start comparing... Even you look at the likes of Mbappe. Going for, if he's going for that type of money now, what would he be going for? Was, He's my best it's, mate. It's a joke. No, I, I, I get frustrated because people forget. It's, it, they, they, they forget too quickly what mm. certain players are doing. And when he came on, the same with Rooney when they yeah. first burst yeah. on the scene. You don't get them. You don't get them all the time. And as I said, these guys have got a lot to do before they listen. They've got the potential. Woodburn's got a huge potential. He looks a fantastic talent. Rashford, I love mm. this kid. I think he's going to go on and be a fantastic player. But right now, let him breathe. It's, it's the potential of the talent that you can see that they have got. It's not if they've got it. You can see they've got it. It's the consistency. Mm. Over the years, this fella did it time and time. And the top players do it consistently. Yeah, really, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, mm. we can't judge them yet on that because that's in the years to come. That's the future. But uh, they, look, they look as if they've got... This kid is... For me, what I've seen of him, I haven't seen that much as, as much as mine. He's got a wonderful first touch. Mm. And he puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. That is a massive advantage for any player, let alone a young kid, 
doesn't matter. That puts you in another level. And if you continue, he won't lose that touch. He'll only get that, but he'll get better with more confidence. But he'll come up against players that once he gets a reputation, he'll have to find different ways of beating people and getting the things that he's doing at youth level and whatever. Now, they'll get tighter, they'll give him respect. It's the consistency over the years. That That's the thing for a striker, I always thought. For a striker, it's that second year when yeah. you're not a surprise element no more. People know what your tricks are. They know what your first thought is when you get the ball. Can you then develop new tricks to surprise people? That's and, a difference. And that's what Harry Kane... Everyone said the same yeah. thing about Harry when he came in, started scoring goals. Can he do it again the next year? Didn't start very well. Question marks, bang. And the other key is not overplaying these young players as well. I think managers are much more aware now, aren't they, with injuries we've seen for players, just not to push them too much too young. Yeah, I think so. I think everyone's different. Listen, I came through the... the the exact same team as Steven Gerrard. We were 10 years old together at Liverpool and we played in every single team. Everyone knew I was going to make it. Everyone knew he was going to make it at that age, at 12, at 14. But by the time we were 18, I'd played 100-odd games and he'd played none. It didn't make me... It just meant that I was at a different rate in my development. He couldn't play in a game without getting injured. But then I couldn't play in a game when I was 28 without getting injured and he's strolling on winning the Champions. Everyone comes at different times, so... It's, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. It's, and that's down to a manager to sort of gauge that with the physios, with the medics, with his own eyes and just realise, you know, can we was, play him all the time? Was you managed right like that? Because you got injuries I quite think early so. on. I, I always ask myself that question. But when I look at genetically, my dad was a footballer. He suffered terribly with muscle injuries, groins, hamstrings, thighs. My two brothers are verging on, you know, sprinters, lightning quick. They, at 25, the same thing. So I don't think it's I overplayed. I just think it was genetically, we were so, so, so fast that it's just... I can't imagine your dad ever being fast when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, Mr. Owen, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, look, finally, before we move on from Ben Woodburn, um, you've seen so much of him in the youth teams at Liverpool. Are we getting overexcited here, or too overexcited here, or is the excitement in the right place because he is special? Uh, what we're doing is... He's, he's very good. Yeah, he is good. Right. And I can get frustrated when someone says, oh, yeah, he scores on his debut, and everyone says, oh, he's an ex-Rio Fun, he's an ex-Glen Oddle, you know. And it's just not right. This lad is a very good player. But, yeah, we are getting overexcited. I mean, he's played a couple of games for Liverpool and a couple of games for Wales. I mean, we've hardly seen him. Yeah. I've seen him because I watched the... But he's the Prince of Wales Liverpool. already, isn't he? I mean, yeah, talk so about... Yeah, we are getting, getting, getting excited. OK, um, as always, loads of social media chat around the show. Thanks very much for your tweets. Um, Jamie just said, we've got a bargain with you, Rio. £30 million and the service you gave Manchester United. What do you reckon you'd be worth today? Don't be modest. I don't know. You should do. You know exactly. You've got a figure in your head. 29? Yeah. <laughs> I might have lost a mil. There's not that many unbelievable with, defenders. No, but in the with world teams, at the seriously, I'll come in there. It, yeah. It'd be double, double that money because with teams now playing with three at the back, he was he's made for three at the back. In a back four, with the footballing ability this lad had, you only saw fifty percent of it because he had to play in the back four. Yeah. In a three, my word, he could have come out on the ball. He could have done so much more. He could have done if he was given the opportunity. Right, in the Oh, d devastating. <laughs> it's just the wrong era. Uh, Michael says, Rio, you always speak sense. Couldn't agree more. It's disrespectful. Give young players time to show us what they can do. And Matt Stevens, thanks for your message on social media. In today's market, Michael Owen would be worth £250 million. Oh, no. Yeah, I think you probably would. Uh, so modest as well. Look at that cheeky grin. 
Mark, who's a Liverpool fan, says, wake-up call. I'm only assuming this is a joke from RJG saying Ronald Koeman out. It's a bit early for that, I think. Uh, potential relegation candidates, says Jonathan Carr, who's a Saints fan. Is that going a bit overboard? I mean, they're struggling to score Southampton, I know that. What do you think, your old club, Glenn? No, I don't see him going down at all. OK, uh, really Nick don't. says uh, Rooney hangover and Jasper <laughs> Shiner says Hornets sting Saints. Um, and that was a brilliant one, wasn't it, for, uh, for Watford, who are flying under their new manager. Um, if you're just um, joining us and you didn't see the match that happened here earlier on, it was two all. A little bit of controversy at the end. The managers had a sort of small spat on the sideline and there wasn't a handshake down there before they both went into the tunnel. And there's a, there's a, there's a story during the rounds that Jose Mourinho walked out of the interview with the BBC when he was asked um, about the whole shaking hands thing. It's a big deal for managers, isn't it, a handshake at the end of a game? It matters. It does, but I've seen him not do it a few times, Mourinho. Did you, Even ever, when he's won. Did you ever refuse? No, always. Win, lose or draw. Regardless. 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 You, OK. Uh, show the respect to your, to your yeah, opposite yeah, yeah. manager. Okay. For, my, for me, anyway. Right, right. We're talking of respect. It's now time for the final part. And we're talking about welcoming back players who want out of your club. This is what the fans think about it. Alexis Sanchez came on. There were a lot of cheering, but there was also a lot of booing. My uh, season ticket partner was one of the booers. He said he's not going to apologise for booing Sanchez because he doesn't want to be here. I won't boo, but I understand where he's coming from. So, end of the transfer window, and Virgil van Dijk is still a saint, which I think is fantastic news. Um, I think he's the best defender in the Premier League. Can't wait for him to get back into the squad and get playing well again. He's going to have a little bit of an effort to win back the fans. Um, certainly a couple of good performances when he's, when he's back in the first team wouldn't go amiss. And if he does that, I'm sure we'll welcome him back with big open arms. Philip Coutinho will be back at Liverpool. He's staying with them for the season. Uh, and as you can see from today's performance, he's much needed in that side. Uh, lots of creativity. But how will the other players in that dressing room react to him? He's obviously made it clear that he wants to go. Do you forgive him straight away? Obviously, with Suarez, he played so well in 13-14 after indicating that he wanted to leave. He was integrated back in. Will the same happen with Coutinho? OK, so his question there is about the players that share the dressing room and share everyday life with these players that have wanted away. You've all, I'm sure, been in a situation where a teammate fancies out and doesn't go. How do the teammates deal with it? What happens? What goes on? It's all down for me for one thing. Does he come in and, and, and act professionally when he's in the training ground? If he acts professionally and says, listen, I'd hold my hand up, I do want to leave, I've not been allowed to, but you will still get 100% commitment from me. And you see that day in, day out. Mm -hmm. You respect that and say, yeah, you're still with us and you continue until the day you leave this club. If there's any, if there's any negativity or you, that you think he's given le anything less than 100%, the players will sniff it and they'll wean that guy out. That's the test around the camp, around the training camp, training, off the pitch. When it comes to a match in front of 30,000, 50,000 people, they're going to get up for that. That's easy. It's easy to go and perform. That's what they want to be, a footballer. Yeah. But uh, I think for Liverpool guys, to watch Coutinho saying bad back, bad back, and then go and play for Brazil like that, Mm. That's a tough one for yeah. fans to take. The manager and the club have got to deal with it differently, of course. But for fans to see that, that's, that's you know, saying he's got a bad back all that yeah. time. I think when, you, when you're a player, you see players coming and going all the time throughout mm. your dressing room. So you become a little bit immune to it, I feel. Mm. And I can see um, a fan's point of view because, listen, they're red and they're red all their life or they're blue and they're blue all that. Whatever colour they... Whatever team they support, yeah. then that's it. Whereas... In the dressing room, I know that if I'm playing at Stoke and, and he's there, then you know, and he's doing what he's doing, then Man United are gonna he's gonna want to further his career. We all want to get to the best mm. clubs. We all want to 
do the best we can in our careers. It's a short career. You want to play for the in the Champions Leagues and things like that. So, you know, so I think a player will appreciate it more as long as you're not a bad apple. Yeah. As long as you do it the right way, mm. then I think we can appreciate it more. I totally get the fans' point of view, but they possibly don't, you know, give you the the understanding. Just, the, 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 fans the fans are there for life. Yeah, yeah owners move on. Managers move on, players move on, fans are there for life. If you, fans if have you... got to understand it's a job for a lot of players. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, like, in terms of some players are lucky enough, like Harry Kane's playing for his childhood team, that's his dream. So he, he, he potentially will stay there for the rest, of his, the rest of his career if all things being well. But a fan, if he's at his job and he's working in, in Boots, for instance, yeah. and another company comes in and says, will you come and work for us and double your money and we, we'll relocate you, he's not going to say, actually... Um, I'm going to stay, I'm, I'm, loyal. I'm going to be loyal and stay here. Because yeah. the word loyalty in football now mm. is a myth. From the club's perspective, through to the players' perspective, it's, it's not the same anymore like it used to be. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. And I think, um, yeah, loyalty, if, a, if you're not playing well, a manager or a club or chairman, they will be quick to put you in the reserves or make you rot in this team or that team. They'll be quick to get rid of you. It doesn't go both ways. But, of course, in the press and everything else... The club always win because they've got the masses of fans that are going to support the club regardless. So they're never going to go onto the, the, the mm. side of one player. So then they can be made out as the rogue, and half the time they're not. But you'd still do your best to try and keep a good teammate at a club, wouldn't you? I mean, you would be on the phone yeah, I mean, doing I your best. Cristiano Ronaldo's dream was to play for Real Madrid. He'd been at Manchester United for a number of years. He'd done. He'd accomplished all he wanted to accomplish. And it's, I, I spoke to him. I spoke to his agent after we won the Champions League. I knew at the time there was a potential move to Real Madrid there. I was in the, in the, in, at the end of the season saying to him, please stay. We've got more to achieve. There's more things for us to achieve. So for I understand that, and, and that's what players do. When you've got, especially when you've got a talent like that, you do all you can. And that was you team, doing your best for you and for Manchester United. Well, I knew that Ronaldo was going to help me win more trophies. There you go. So if he could be there for five <laughs> more years, I'd win more things. But he says footballers are selfish, eh? Yeah, we are. You want to win. That's all you yeah. want to play. That's who we play for. But let's talk about the players that, that have sort of tried to make the move and it hasn't happened. Right, first of all, Van Dijk at Southampton. It got to the point where he released a statement, didn't he, saying, I need to move on from this football club to further my career. He's now there. Pellegrino said that he's going to play for the reserves in the next few days. Most of us expected him to leave. How hard is it going to be now for him to walk back into that dressing room, having kind of gone public with this in front of the fans and, and reintegrate himself into the first team? I don't think it'd be a problem for his teammates because what the guys have said, he's trying to better himself by going to Liverpool. The reason Liverpool want him is because he's done a fantastic mm. job for Saints. So you move on. It's the same Barcelona come knocking for Coutinho. You can't, you can't want to knock so I'll stay at Liverpool. He wants to go... And equally a manager wants the best players playing for him. Yeah, but now that's, that's the Pellegrino's thing. That's, interest that's the only decent back, thing about the, the, the window shutting is now the manager... Look at Chelsea, Costa. What do they do with Costa? It's the manager and the teammate and the captain, perhaps, who has to sit down and say, look, we've got to work together. The window opens again in January. Nothing can happen now. Let's get the best out of you. Yeah, I think the big thing, for, for especially in the Van Dijk situation, was that if they could find a ready-made replacement for him, they probably would have sanctioned that deal. But I just don't think there was anyone in the marketplace they could find who would have the influence and impact that he's, he's having at that club. It follows the same path all the time, doesn't it? Van Dijk, Ross Barkley, Sanchez, Coutinho, whoever it is, They'll probably make it aware, or their agent will, to the club in some way, shape or form, do you know what, I'd love to go to Barcelona, I'd love to go to wherever. Once that doesn't happen, it's the next, right, what can we do? Then there's no other option but transfer request. And, and it just rolls and rolls and rolls. It's the same, it's the same thing with, with them all. So, yeah. you know, and all of them, in every case, they're all trying to 
get to a club, all trying to better themselves, I suppose. In Coutinho's case, to go to Barcelona is probably his dream. And it's just that's just life. That's just football. Yeah. It's the same thing happened for me at Leeds. I've been there a couple of years. Manchester United came knocking. A chance to win the Champions League and be up there to win the Premier League every year. I wanted to go. So I know exactly how these guys think. Well, thanks for listening to the Premier League Tonight podcast. If you enjoyed this week's show, I'm sure you did, uh, please leave a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Thanks. Um, And also, if you want to get involved in the show as one of our regular fan reporters, please just drop us an email, btsportfanpundit at gmail.com. We'd love to get you involved in the show. Thanks for listening and bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.